You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I couldn't tell you what he looks like. I don't know if he was tall, small, short. I don't know if he was chubby, skinny, buff. Like, I, I don't know if he's white, black, brown, purple. I don't know. Like, I have no idea what he looks like. And literally him talking for about three to four minutes completely changed my whole trajectory of my life. All right, that's coming up in just a moment. Real quick, I'd like to tell you about Oregon Marketing Group. For any businesses that need help with marketing and advertising, Oregon Marketing Group can do everything from social media, video production, radio spots, whether it's a small or a big project, they do everything local and in-house. Their number one goal is to grow your online presence, increase your business sales, and help you maintain those business sales through modern marketing tactics and they're experts in that so check out oregonmarketinggroup.com and you can support one of the fine sponsors of this podcast this is the beaver tales podcast with josh wharton who has covered oregon state athletics since 2013 my guest today on the beaver tales podcast is marcus mcmarion he comes from fresno california played at dinuba high school right near fresno through 71 touchdowns in two years starting there for Dinuba. Also had a 3.9 GPA. Shout out to all the kids. You know, do your homework. Uh, got a scholarship to play quarterback at Oregon State. Marcus spent 2014 under Mike Riley. Uh, redshirted that year, 2015 and 2016 under Gary Anderson at OSU. Marcus started seven games for Oregon State at quarterback. Interestingly enough, his first career start was the wild 2015 game against the Ducks and his last career start was the wild 2016 game against the Ducks so uh, that 2016 season was Marcus's redshirt sophomore year became a graduate transfer he'd already graduated one of the schools that reached out was the University of Oregon the team he just beaten and yes I'll definitely ask about that uh, later on Marcus elects to go back to his hometown school Fresno State they'd gone one and 11 the year before he came back had Alabama on the schedule week two the same Alabama team that won the national championship that year. Marcus became the quarterback uh, partway through that season was the primary quarterback. They win 10 games that year. Unfortunately, Alabama was not one of them, but they do win 12 games the next year win the Mountain West championship beat Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. He's now on contract with the Calgary Stampeders of the Canadian Football League, and he's recently married. Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. It's always nice taking a little uh, stroll down memory lane here in intro, so I'm always a fan of them. First of all, what's life looking like day to day? I know May is the uh, expected departure to go to Canada, but what's life looking like right now? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, training is pretty heavy as far as that's pretty much a daily thing that's going on right now. Training, make sure my body's staying right for when I take off. Uh, I mean, God willing, everything goes according to plan to leave in May and uh, everything kind of clears up. But um, I mean, in the meantime, I've been training younger quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's been a blast for me, just a way to kind of help kids out and kind of pass the knowledge. I mean, a lot of these kids are able to jump on the board now uh, after work with me for about a month and they're able to draw out all these coverages and stuff and cover one, cover two, three and all that stuff. I'm like, dude, I had no idea what I was walking into when I got into college when I was someone told me to jump on the board and draw that stuff I had no idea what was going on so just being able to kind of pass that knowledge uh, down to them and them being just light years ahead of what I was at when I was their age I mean it just feels good and kind of just using it as like almost a mentorship as well to kind of pass the knowledge on and off the field too 
How did you find, or how did they find you, the, the kids who are working with you and learning from you? Yeah, so um, I was training, when I was getting ready for pro day, um, I was actually training in Bakersfield at Car Elite, which is Derek Carr's gym. So I got connected with um, his trainer, me and Derek ended up becoming pretty good friends. So I've been training in Bakersfield and they own their own gym and they kind of run camps and do a bunch of different stuff. So I don't know, one thing kind of led to another, I guess it's kind of divine intervention. I don't really know how we crossed paths or what happened, but it ended up working out. And then uh, kind of just in the meantime, I was training full time, needed a little bit of extra income and stuff. So then I ended up started training kids and I kind of just fell in love with it. How was the first time you met Derek? It's something to do with, uh, he had played at Fresno State, now you know quarterback with the, the Raiders. Something to do with him giving out his phone number when he came back to Fresno State, when you had uh, already transferred back to play for the Bulldogs. How did, how did you get connected with Derek Carr and start a friendship with him? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's always one of my favorite stories to kind of tell. I mean, because kind of, it kind of blows me away still kind of telling it to this day. But Derek, he, I'm not sure exactly what time. It was over the summertime. He was just in the area doing some kind of event in the Fresno area. And he ended up being in our gym, in our weight room, and he was working out. So he, like, broke us down and stuff like that. And I kind of caught up with him uh, as he was walking out of the gym. And we kind of got to talk. And he's like, hey, how are you feeling about the season? And kind of just going back and forth. And then he was like, yeah, um, get my number from Josh Harper, which is one of our graduate assistants at the time we played with Derek and I got, got Derek's number. And it's funny. I always kind of tell people, it's like, I was like, felt like almost a high school crush in a way. It's like, man, do I text him like today? Do I wait like a day? Do I wait two days? Like, I don't know how long to wait. Um, I ended up texting him like a day and a half later. And he replies, like, I go, Hey Derek, it's Marcus. Like just wanted you to have my number two. And he was like, I'm surprised you text me. I'm like, what like I'm thinking in my head like Derek that's come on dude that's a dumb question like you're Derek Carr like why wouldn't I text you know and then he uh he mentions that he get he's given his number to every single quarterback um at Fresno State since he graduated and I'm the first one to text him um to actually reach out and take him up on on the offer of of texting him and I was like absolutely just blew my mind I don't know if it was a a pride thing or what it was I mean I'm not going to speak for other quarterbacks but I mean just me personally if if someone's in the position that I want to eventually get to being an NFL quarterback and he's willing to help me in any way, shape or form, I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. So that's kind of how our, our relationship started. I mean, he's been such a huge influence on my life. I mean, not only obviously football, just knowledge wise, but I mean, spiritually, just as a mentor as well. I mean, just every, every regard. So our relationships definitely involved to a lot more than just outside of football. Yeah, that is that is crazy to me why no one would make use of Derek Carr being, uh, you know, obviously an NFL quarterback, but he also just seems and the, the people I've heard describe him as just a, a stand up guy, a good role model. What is something, especially now that you're in an interesting place in life, both with your athletic career, but being recently married and what, what have you learned the things from Derek Carr that you've looked up to him in the things that you've learned from him that the sort of things that you want to emulate from him yeah no I mean like, like you said I mean he's definitely a stand-up guy it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to pinpoint just one exact thing about Derek that I've learned because it's been just so many different things I mean just overall just being the quality of person that he is I mean the same guy you see on the camera is the person you see off the camera and I think that's what I respect the most about him it's that He's not going to give you one act in front of a camera and be some kind of certain football player and uh, act a certain type of way. It's like whatever you see on the football field is what you're going to get on the field, off the field. I mean, 
in an interview, outside of an interview. I mean, when he's with his kids, he's the exact same way. I mean, he's super competitive with his kids as well. I mean, they get definitely going to get the competitive nature from him. I mean, he's a he's a loving husband. I mean, he's a servant of God. I mean, he's just he's just an all around good guy. Like I said, I mean, if I could be just still half of the the characteristics that he has, I think I think I'll be doing all right in life. You did get married. You're going to get married next April, if I'm remembering correctly. And because of COVID, you just kind of said, let's just do it now and, and have 15 people there. How long has it been now since you got married and what, what that's been like now with you and Chelsea? Yeah, we, we've been a little uh, longer, a little bit over seven months now. I think it just hit seven months. So um, it's, it's been awesome, man. It's been, it's been the best thing ever. I mean, marriage, is, it's a beautiful thing. And we've been dating since... Um, let's see, my sophomore year in high school. So we've been, we've been dating for a while. I mean, our families obviously got to know each other. You get married, obviously you married the family as well. So, I mean, we've been together for a really long time and it's been, been the best time she's been with me through the ups and downs. I mean, um, the, the highs and lows in college football and then experiencing the NFL for a little bit. And then uh, obviously this trip that we're going to take out to Canada soon, here soon. So um, I'm excited about it. definitely glad to have found my life partner. One of the, the really funny funny and heartwarming stories together was when you transferred back to Fresno State, you came in like right before the season started. You basically did fall camp twice, and it was only like three weeks before the season opener. And your, I think she may have only been girlfriend at the time. I don't think you were even engaged yet, but she was. She somehow helped you kind of acclimate to Fresno State, learn the playbook. How did that, like what, what was she doing and helping you uh, get used to Fresno State? Yeah, no, she was, she was girlfriend at the time. Like you said, I mean, I transferred over, ended up doing fall camp twice. She was girlfriend at the time, but I always joke with people and say that that was kind of the moment I knew I was going to marry her because um, I was up, I was obviously learning an entire playbook. Tefford's offense is a, a West Coast offense, but a lot of verbiage. So he, he kind of has that professional background. So he, he likes to put a lot of words into his play calls, uh, similar to Coach Riley's offense. But uh yeah, she was up. I mean, we'd be up to like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and she'd be looking at the playbook, reading plays off to me, and I'd be um, acting it out like if I was actually running the play. We'd be in the bedroom or the living room, and then she'd signal. She'd look at the signals and signal it to me. I mean, she got to the point, uh, honestly, where she, she'd hear a couple different run plays, and she knew exactly what was going on. Like, oh, yeah, A, that stands for A-gap run, or a B in the beginning is a B-gap run. It was, it was pretty funny. She had, she had quite, quite a few... Uh, a grasp on the playbook so she probably get to help some of our guys out at, at, at one point maybe she should be doing some of the the quarterback coaching with the young guys too now yeah she she might have found her calling on accident she might have snuck into it <laughs> what has post-college life look like so far in terms of what the NFL would look like you're going up to the CFL uh, what's it look like so far and what's the route back to as you, as you say the goal is the NFL what, where are you at now and what has happened and what you hope will happen in the near future yeah so uh basically after Fresno State after the Vegas Bowl after we uh we beat Arizona State I ended up training down in Bakersfield and then uh spent a little bit of time I did rookie mini camp with the Raiders then I did rookie minicamp with the Saints, and I was with the Saints for about a month, and then I ended up getting let go from there and then ended up signing with uh, Calgary and uh, was planning on being up there in May. This past May would have been my first year, my rookie year. Obviously, uh, coronavirus kind of had a different story, but, I mean, it's been good. I mean, coaches, we, we were doing Zoom meetings and installing the offense over the, over the summer. So, I mean, 
didn't really miss a beat other than we weren't playing. So, I mean, we were able to install the offense, and I'm still in contact with the, the offense coordinator, the quarterback coach, and uh, the head coach. So they're just really making sure I'm staying on top of my training as far as uh, mentally and physically, and I'm just ready to go uh, this upcoming May. It seems like it's still going pretty well, even with COVID in terms of football. One of the questions I like to ask in this podcast is when – when players retire officially from their career, whether it be right after college or after a pro career of, of who they were then once they no longer had sports. Now you're still in your professional career, but you kind of did get to experience life without sports in 2020. Once you had, you know, no, no football, basically you had your season, you thought was going to happen. You had that taken away. So when you had Marcus McMarion minus football, uh, what was left? I mean, what, what was there for you when you couldn't, couldn't play, couldn't have sports for you? Uh, what did you learn about yourself or have remaining when, when you couldn't look to sports? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you definitely have that um, free time to kind of look in the mirror that you usually don't have. You're usually running around with your head cut off and your, your day's planned out for you and you don't really have so much of a say. So even though I love it and love the grind about it, but I mean, you definitely have a lot more free time when you're not in it. So I think the biggest thing for me is uh, – I kind of found out a lot about myself. I think guys, um, the end goal for a lot of guys, obviously, is to get to the NFL. And when that's kind of briefly or momentarily taken away for you for a little bit, you kind of have time to self-reflect and kind of look back on yourself and really figure out what's really important to you as far as your core values and just your everything that's important to you. So I think for me, it was more just leaning back on Obviously, my faith has always been huge. I've been always uh, pretty outspoken about that as far as getting closer to God and making sure I'm keeping him at the center of my life and not so much just like a checklist uh, Christian where I'm just running through uh, mindless things as far as like, oh, I read my Bible today. I'm good. I could check that off the list. But really making sure I keep him at the center of everything that I do throughout the day and uh, every day, every week, every night. But um, other than that, I mean, I really – a lot of people know I'm kind of – a kind of a book nerd now I'm, I really I like to read a ton which is crazy because uh prior I mean during my master's program at Fresno State one of the professors kind of introduced to me how profound and how life-changing reading books could be is I took a course called super achievers that basically we studied like the Elon Musk the Bill Gates the Warren Buffett all these guys and just saying uh, crazy stats that like Warren Buffett reads like three or four hours a day. And these guys are all reading books and the average CEO reads like 52 books a year. And I'm like, dang, I mean, I'm not a CEO and I could barely read one book a year. If that maybe halfway through, maybe a chapter of a book and then I'll put it down. So kind of totally just flipped the script for me. So I've been really heavy into personal development, just finding different things that, that interest me as far as just getting any kind of edge um, I can as far as, mentally with the psychology of football or just even just life in general just kind of little life hacks and different things like that so that's something i've been really heavy and interested in lately all right the people the people want to know what's the the stamp of approval a recent book you've read and and maybe something that you've learned from it whether it's uh, you're into novels or more nonfiction. Uh, what have you read recently yeah that's funny i, I always tell people I, I i'm pretty straightforward into reading uh kind of personal development books. I'm not knocking people who read the dramas and novels. I always uh, like to joke with people and say, I have enough drama in my own life. I don't have to read about somebody else. <laughs> so, um, but one of the books um, I read a, a while back was The Compound Effect. And that's something that's been huge for me. That, that was kind of the first, one of the first books I read during my master's program that kind of started everything off. And 
that's a book I'm, I'm going to try to read and I, I will read at least once every year. Um, and it's basically just talking about how um, everything is small actions as far as success, um, everything that you're taking, everyone thinks um, people get to the NFL. Like we could talk about Derek, for example, Derek gets to the NFL because he took one big leap of faith or it was one moment that kind of launched it or catapult his career. But uh, people don't really see that it's the the daily disciplines that really got him to the point he's at. I mean, he's playing at a MVP level this year, and it's it's all the little things he's done over the past four, five, six. I mean, even past ten years, that's really got him to the position he's in. So, I mean, just really understanding and coming to terms that success is boring. Like, quite frankly, like a lot of people don't want to admit it, but like success isn't fun. It's like unattractive. It's not the sexy route to take. Like, and so you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. You're going to work out. You're going to study your playbook. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And you're going to wake up the next day and say, this is going to suck, but I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. And then after a, after a compound of all those actions and daily disciplines together, I mean, you end up eventually getting to to your goal, whether that's a month, two months, three months, or years later down the road, it'll eventually uh, come to pass. I love it. I, I, I really love that sentiment. Speaking of self-improvement, uh, scrolling through your Twitter, I, one of the tweets you had a little while ago, uh, don't get bitter, get better. I'm working on switching them letters. I love it when people quote a song and I know what song they're referencing, even if they don't say what it is, because I love Lecrae in particular. Why, why did that lyric stand out to you? Don't get bitter, get better. What resonated with you about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love Lecrae. Obviously, he's, he's an amazing artist, but I mean, I know Jim Rohn says something similar to that as well. So it wasn't the first time I'd heard it. And it was just one of those things that was kind of like a, almost a reoccurring theme that I kept hearing just kind of like whether I was hearing it consciously or subconsciously like I just felt like I had heard it for like the fifth time in like two days or something I'm like what the heck like why does this saying keep popping up like maybe I should really look into it and I think I don't remember exactly the time in my life where I tweeted it out but I know for whatever just in general terms it, it, it's easy to kind of get caught up in comparing yourself especially with today's social media and everything that's going on I'm obviously Everyone posts them be their best selves on Instagram. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. You kind of post the best pictures you have, the best moments you have in your life. No one's really seeing what's really going on. So uh, just making sure you're not, um, speaking to myself here, making sure you're not being envious of anyone and jealous of what you see that's going on, but really understand it's like, hey, everyone's going through something. Everything uh, happens for a reason, and you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now and just kind of trying to live in the moment. Yeah. Let's come back to your time at Oregon State a little bit because I've got some, some uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to, to recap or even from Fresno State a little bit. I, I saw that uh, Fresno State was scheduled to play San Jose State this past weekend and I think it, it got canceled, I think, but it made me remember how you played San Jose State twice once you went back to the, the Mountain West, beat San Jose State twice, and their coach was Brent Brennan, the guy you had played for at Oregon State, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love Coach Brennan. I mean, he's a, a great coach, and San Jose State definitely has a good one over there. I mean, I, I remember back at Oregon State, he was always the coach that had us over for um, Christmas or Halloween, carving pumpkins at his house. I mean, his, his wife, his kids, I mean, he definitely has a great family. I mean, he was always uh, welcoming arms to, to all, the, all the guys on the team. So in 2016, that was uh, your final game, the, the season finale to beat Oregon. Uh, you end up 
transferring after that season, some of the teams that reached out once you had, you know, announced your decision to transfer. And there was even a little bit where you maybe were going to come back to Oregon State. I'll ask about that in a moment. But Texas reached out, Iowa, I think you said, and the Oregon Ducks reached out right after you beat them. How, how close did you go from beating Oregon in 2016 to then transferring to Oregon? Yeah, honestly, I, I never really considered it other than when they initially reached out to me. And I think that was just more out of spite when I was kind of angry that I was leaving Oregon State in a way. I mean, I, I left totally on good terms. I mean, I've always had a good relationship with, with Oregon State and the Beaver fans. I mean, they, they've treated me till this day. I mean, they still uh, mention me on Twitter. And when I was at Fresno State, they would mention me and they'd always uh, be supportive. So, I mean, I have always um, indebted to Oregon State fans. I mean, I love Beaver Nation for sure. But, um, yeah, I think it was more just I knew in my heart and deep down I would never be able to play at Oregon just because I was a, a Beaver. You know, I think it's just, there's just something in my head that was saying, no, that's, it's not right to do. You can't play there. You know, just you're, once a Beaver, always a Beaver. So, um, yeah, I never truly considered it except for maybe for – the couple hours I was going back and forth kind of talking a little bit. I know that Mark Helfrich had gotten fired after that season. And so maybe it was Willie Taggart who reached out. Maybe this was also in the spring or, or even fall camp because that's ultimately when you transferred, even though you had kind of initially decided to do it after the season. So what's, what's the timeline there? Was, when, did they initially reach out soon after that rivalry game? Or is this not until the following fall camp near the beginning of the 2017 season? Yeah, this, this all would have been um, closer to fall camp because I, I was initially, a lot of people don't know, I was going to transfer in the spring, but uh, the coaches kind of talked me out of it saying like, hey, you're a guy who just came off one of the, the biggest wins in uh, school history. It's been a while. So you're a guy like don't leave kind of thing. So all this uh, recruitment stuff kind of got shut down in the spring. I was like, all right, like I'll stay, you know, I, I love Oregon State. I'm going to stay here. And then in the fall, that's when everything kind of happened. A lot of people don't know. I actually, uh, fall camp, I believe we were in Bend. We were driving back. Fall camp had just ended Saturday. Um, Sunday, we get home. We get home like Saturday night or Sunday. I believe we get home Sunday morning, I think. We get home Sunday morning. I end up going home, talking to my parents. They had just announced uh, another quarterback as a starter. And then I uh, tell my Tell my parents that, hey, I'm just ready to leave. So I end up going to the office, letting them know, like, hey, I want my transfer papers. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to go a different route. And I end up packing all my stuff. Uh, my my roommates, uh, Gabe Offgard, Drew, Drew Kell, Trent Moore, and Adam Sosman, they actually told me, like, a going away party within a couple hours. They get, like, half the football team basically at our house kind of for a little going away party. And I end up so tell them Sunday morning, have a little going away party Sunday night, and I'm on the road driving to California Monday morning. And it's it's kind of a blur. Um, three three or four days, everything kind of got thrown together, a lot of different phone calls and messages, stuff's happening, trying to figure out where I'm going to go, what's going to happen. And uh, God just really leaned on my heart to kind of go to Fresno State, and it just felt like the right fit for me. Yeah, that's why it does seem it worked out for you to go to Fresno State being basically the starter for there for two years and it seems that's why there's really not a lot of hard feelings especially with your teammates I mean I had Gabe Obgard in this podcast a great guy and the other guys too it seems like there really wasn't broken ties or a burnt bridge behind you when you left Oregon State 
Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it was almost, honestly, it was almost encouraged. I mean, you don't want to say that, but, you know, I mean, guys who kind of saw what I've been through the past two years, I mean, in, in my heart of hearts, I, I wanted to make it work at Oregon State so bad. I mean, I was doing everything I can. I try to do everything right. I try to work out extra, but I, mean, I think it was just, just a lot more, and obviously something bigger than me was going on, and uh, God was trying to bring me to Fresno State for a reason where I – ended up having some more great relationships. I mean, I still have great relationships and people that I'm still in contact with from Oregon State that I'll be with uh, in contact with till the day, till the day I pass. But I mean, Fresno State also brought some great relationships. I got to meet uh, Derek, Coach Tedford, and obviously countless other teammates and uh, former Bulldogs that I got connected with as well. Yeah. A um, couple last questions for you, Marcus, and thanks so much for your, your time. Uh, another question I've heard that I really I like and I want to start asking more in this podcast of people is if you could have a billboard, maybe it's on Highway 34 coming out of Corvallis or wherever it may be, and you could put whatever you want on that billboard, uh, what message would it be and why? What, what would you say? Ooh, man, it'd have to be something along the lines about chasing your dreams or something. Um, one of the things I hear you say is the, the why not you phrase, uh, maybe, maybe that would be what, what's important to you about that. Why not yeah, you? Yeah. I think that's a simple kind of punchline thing that, that I'd probably put on there. Honestly, like if I had time to really sit down now that you mentioned, I'd probably put why not you? Cause it covers so many different topics and it could be taken in so many different ways. I mean, I don't know the person listening to this, where they're at, when their life, what's going on, whether you're, um, in high school and college, you're been graduated you're just a beaver fan an oregon state fan i mean i don't know where you're at but i mean you, everyone could pretty much ask themselves the question why not you and try to evolve or improve their life in some way shape or form so i think that's something i would definitely put um that's a that's a whole nother story where that kind of stems from i don't know if you want me to get into that or not but uh that, that's always been a big uh part of my life for sure yeah, if you've got the time, I think this is a story of you. Maybe it was a high school camp and the coach who you don't even know if that's the story. If you've got the time to share that, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'll jump into it. So basically, uh, I went to a Nike Spark camp when I was in high school. I want to say this was like my sophomore, freshman year. And one of these coaches, uh, they're giving a big speech before. And I'm, I always butcher the numbers, but it was something along the lines of like, Hey, who wants to go D one, you know, and everyone's all excited. We're all kids and stuff like, Oh yeah. Hey, me, me, we all raise our hands and stuff like that. So then the coach kind of like, Oh yeah, he's like smiling and grinning, looking at us and kind of looking back on it. He's kind of setting us up to just put a dagger in our hearts. But uh, he basically just like kind of says, he's like, well, uh, according to the stats, he said there, there was about 500 of us there. And he's like, I think he said like one in every, some, something crazy, some, bad numbers like one percent of call of high school athletes play and get a division one scholarship so he's basically saying like out of the 500 of us there maybe like three or four of us were going to get an athletic scholarship obviously it was kind of like a dagger to a lot of kids you could i remember a lot of kids were just they looked defeated kind of when he said that like oh dang like the the odds like kind of the the odds aren't in our favor i guess you could say um, but um, basically, he, he said that, and I vividly remember just thinking to myself, like, why not me? So then it was like, okay, like, numbers don't really mean anything to me. Uh, it was almost like a motivating for me, like, okay, like, there's 500 kids here. I mean, someone's going to get an athletic scholarship. Like, I don't see why that could be me. And I think uh, that day was really a, a game changer for me and just the approach I took to 
just football and trying to receive athletic scholarship and just life in general as far as not really setting rules for myself like hey you have to do this this and this but setting standards to where like hey this is something I live by as far as I don't fall below this standard because I mean I've always seen rules or (laughs) rules I've always been a little rebel at heart I guess you could say rules are meant to be broken you know there's ways to bend the rules find a way around the rules or do this or do that I mean there's ways around it but I mean, I've always kind of set standards in my life where it's like, hey, we never fall below this standard. Like, this is what we live by almost is like we're obligated to live like this. So it's not a rule, something that could be bended or broken, but it's it's a standard that we just live by. The thing that's funny to me about that story is that coach, and you don't even know who it is. If you saw him today, you wouldn't recognize him. You don't know who that was. He only spoke for like four minutes, but he probably stood up there to give that speech to encourage players to not put all their eggs in one basket, to not think, oh, I'm going D1 because I can do it, but to say, look, only you know a small percentage of guys do it. And the funny thing is your takeaway was, all right, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to become D1. It was not to say it was the opposite exactly, but it kind of was, it inspired you in a big way, but probably not in the way that he expected, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, like you said, I'm sure the coach was uh, well intended to go up there and encourage the kids and let us know, like, hey, we got to work hard and get where we got to get. So I totally understand where he was coming from. But I definitely remember looking around and kids took it the opposite way. A couple did the opposite, at least the ones around me and stuff. They kind of made little smirks, whatever remarks and stuff like that, I remember. But um, yeah, totally. I mean, the biggest, honestly, moral of the story for me, too, that I've carried a around with me for so long is that I I couldn't tell you what he looks like. I don't know if he was tall, small, short. I don't know if he was chubby, skinny, buff. Like, I I, I don't know if he's white, black, brown, purple. I don't know. Like, I have no idea what he looks like. And literally him talking for about three to four minutes completely changed my whole trajectory of my life. And that's just something I've always carried around with me. It's like, hey, you never know what you're going to say to someone or you never know what someone's going through and they could just hear – that one thing that you have to say could completely flip their life or one motivational tweet or something that you, you I'm tweeting out because I needed to hear it. Not because I want everyone else to see it, but it's like, dang, this thing really hit home with me. Like someone else might need to hear this. Um, so, I mean, you never know the impact you could have on someone, whether it's you're talking to them for an hour in a one-on-one session or you're talking to them, two minutes in a gas station like hey you look good today I hope you have a blessed day and you walk away and that just lights up the rest of their day so just really making sure you carry yourself in uh in good light at all times and the good thing is you know he was encouraging people to be well-rounded you you definitely did not just only focus on sports I mean you graduated high school just about a 4.0 you graduated from OSU after three years so uh, it seems like you definitely uh, took both to heart of still having a a backup plan of being well-rounded and just saying look I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be half-hearted in my athletic pursuits either so seems like you 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 accomplish both sides of that what is your your hope by the way for when football's done and and what your studies might lead you to do when, when football's over what what do you think you'll get into yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, education's always been something huge that it's kind of grounded in me and stemmed from my parents. So they've always been really big that um, regardless, I mean, if I play in the NFL or CFL or I play one year, two years or 10 years, I mean, eventually it's going to end and I'm going to have a long uh, time in my life to live still, uh, hopefully. Um, but I'm going to have a long time to live after that. So, I mean, w- once football's done, I mean, once that bridge comes, I'll definitely cross it and kind of figure it out then. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like 
I've never been one to really be like, hey, you have to have your life figured out right now. And I know I'm 24 now. And I technically, a lot of people, according to our society standards, I should be freaking out, I guess, right now. But I'm, I'm not at all. It's like, man, I'm so young and stuff. I have so much time to live and stuff to do in this world that um, who knows? I mean, I, I've kind of dipped into kind of some real estate thoughts of doing real estate stuff and mentorship stuff. I mean, just with training the kids and stuff like that. I mean, football. I'm mean, I tell the parents and I'm very um, blunt with them when I say like your kid's going to get 100 percent or if not two times, three times better at football. Like I'm not worried about the logistics. I want to make sure I'm influencing the kids and pushing them the right direction as far as all the intangibles. Because that's something I know that got me to the, the place I got to athletically was because of all the different intangible things that I did right on and off the field. I mean, football is football. I mean, if a coach is recruiting you, it's because you're good at football, but um, I always try to spread knowledge to the kids and let them know. It's like the coaches want to know, especially coming from a small school or an underrated uh, kind of program is that, is he a good student? Is he a, a good brother? I mean, I had coach Riley came over to my house and had dinner. I was talking to my, my sisters like, Hey, is he a good brother to you? Is he nice to you guys? Like little stuff like that, that people don't really know that goes on in recruiting behind the scenes. There's a lot more to goes to it. And just being good at football or being strong or being fast. They talk to your teachers and ask if he falls asleep in class and talk to your principal and he's ever been in the office or what kind of kid do you think he is. So uh, just understanding and kind of passing that knowledge that there's a lot more to football than just football. I like that. I like that story of Mike Riley, too. I wish you could have played for him for four years, but hey, life doesn't work like that. And you, you accomplished a lot at Fresno State. So so that's really good. Um, last thing, I'm, I'm doing a, a dual quarterback back-to-back episodes and talking with you today and then Saturday interviewing uh, Daryl Gerritsen which will be fun to do two quarterbacks any any fun stories you had with Daryl playing with him I don't know if you stay in touch but any any funny stories I should bring up or something to tease him about or anything you liked about Daryl is crazy because I know there's tons of stories if I would have had something planned out and I'm sure if you give Daryl a heads up he'll have some funny stories about us together but the unique thing about me and Daryl is like you would think we were competing for the quarterback spot against each other. It's a clear cut, just me and him competing for the spot. But it was strangely enough, it turned us into like really like we were like best friends during that time. And we're still to this day really good friends. We still reach out, FaceTime at least at least once every two weeks or once a month. We'll jump on a FaceTime and talk for like an hour, just kind of catching up and stuff like that. So uh Daryl, I mean, I have absolute nothing but respect for that guy and love for him but uh i'm sure he'll have he's a jokester so you'll you'll enjoy the conversation with him you'll have no idea where that conversation is going but it's going to be a good time i can tell you that oh good i'm glad to hear that hey marcus thanks so much for your time i really enjoyed having you on the podcast yeah no problem josh appreciate it man well, I like Marcus McMarion a lot. He's just a really affable guy. You just get the feeling like you want to be friends with him when you talk with him. Uh, it made me think when we were talking about life after football, what he might get into post-athletics, you know, whether or not he has a specific career field or job he's got lined up, it, it occurred to me that I think the most important thing is not just where you get hired or what job you want to have once sports is over, but the type of person you're going to be 
what impact you want to make on the world. And I think Marcus has that, I won't say figure it out as if he's a completed product, but at least uh, a much more mature person than a lot of people his age. And so uh, I just really appreciated that about Marcus. Hope you enjoyed some memories of Oregon State and Fresno State and beyond. Um, like I said, Daryl Garrettson coming up on the podcast. We'll talk right after the Oregon game the next day, assuming that does happen Friday so we can recap that game and talk about his career and uh, get off on some fun tangents with the jokester Daryl Garrettson. I've also got upcoming episodes with Seth Peach, former Oregon State baseball player, Patricia Bright, women's basketball player, and a lot more coming up. Last thing before you go, Angry Beaver Restaurant is another fine sponsor of this podcast. Obviously, a lot of local restaurants are in need and hurting at this time. Whether you're listening to this soon or a while later when you can actually eat in restaurants in person now, wherever it is, at least Angry Beaver is doing takeout. So if you can support one great local restaurant with co-owner, former Oregon State football player Randy Holmes, or if you're doing in-person eating and that's allowed, you can go dine in, do the tailgating on Beaver football game day, do breakfast on the weekends, or at least just take out. Please support the Angry Beaver. Their phone number's in the episode description. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Until next week, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Good night and go Beavs.